Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. So in the Apostles' Creed, we return again and again to the true story of Jesus, which we discover to be the true story of our life. And it's not merely uh, an opportunity to sort of tick off some theological points that we want to make sure we remember. It's not merely returning to historical memory of something that Jesus has done. It's actually inviting us into the reality and the story of Jesus this very moment. And most of these, uh, these, these high points in the creed we're really familiar with. We even have holidays for them. Jesus' birth and Christmas. And Jesus' death as a church, we have Good Friday. Jesus' resurrection from the dead, we have Easter. But there's this line that we just prayed and affirmed together that Jesus ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Ascension Day is actually on Thursday. It's always 10 days before Pentecost Sunday. So you celebrate it last Thursday, and then we celebrate it today, the first Sunday after Ascension. But the truth is that for most of us, and I would say the majority of us probably, certainly me for a really long time, Ascension barely hits the radar. If we'd scooted right past it today, probably few of us would have noticed the omission. And this lack of attention, it's understandable given the way we've often thought of the Ascension story. It's remarkably brief, it's anticlimactic, and the way it's often told, it's kind of a downer. The story's quick and goes something like this. Jesus died on the cross to keep us from going to hell and to take us to heaven, and then rose from the dead to prove that he was God and that he could keep us from going to hell and could take us to heaven. And then Jesus pulled off one final amazing, though ultimately disappointing trick. He shot off the Mount of Olives like a divine rocket, way off to heaven in a distant existence, and told us to keep doing all the stuff he taught us while he was on earth until he comes back again and finally takes us back to heaven where we really belong. What kind of good news is this? After all the promise of new life and a new world, after resurrection, after all the hope for Jesus to just leave. The way we often think about this story, it's almost like Jesus has gone on a really, really long sabbatical. No wonder that when Luke describes this story, it says that the disciples were gathered there and there you were just standing there looking up at heaven. Sometimes when I've heard this story, I feel like doing exactly the same thing. What is this about? How is this good news? How does this in any way fall into line with the whole story that scriptures have been telling about the one who was to come named Jesus? When Jesus ascended, he was not performing intergalactic space travel. Jesus wasn't shooting up like a rocket into some faraway ether. 
Jesus' ascension was not his opportunity to say, beam me up, Scotty. There was this picture I found this week, and I really apologize for this, but it seems like, go ahead. Sometimes <laughs> this is a little bit the picture we have of Jesus. Please move past it. Thank you. <laughs> Obviously, in the first century, their view of the world, their view of cosmology was radically different than ours. They had no idea of distant galaxies. The heavens was actually this realm above, but it was pretty darn close. You, by this point, have got to be tired of me beating this drum, and I apologize, but I'm going to beat and beat, because it's no sm small matter. Lots gets messed up in our head, and lots of the Bible gets really twisted when we misunderstand this very simple picture that the scriptures carry. Heaven is not a place way out there. It's better to think of heaven and we lose language. So any way I describe it from here is going to fall short. But to approximate more the biblical picture of heaven, heaven is more like a dimension. And it's a dimension that intersects with the dimension we live in. It overlaps. Paul referred to heaven in Ephesians chapter 2 as a realm. This dimension, heaven, was made to be joined to earth, the dimension that we know. In fact, it's what we pray for every single week, and some of us pray this every single day, Lord, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's exactly what Revelation 21 promises will one day happen in its final completion, when there will be finally a new heaven and a new earth formed when heaven finally and completely joins earth, but it's already joined earth now through God. Earth is made for heaven. But as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, we don't see it very well. The language he uses is that we see through a glass dimly. We can't see this dimension very well. Our eyes are blurry. Jesus, as the fully perfected human, that's what happened in his resurrection. It's how he came to the world, and it's what was renewed in his resurrection. The full perfection of humanity is the one human who could move back and forth between this limited physical dimension we know as earth and God's perfected ultimate dimension that will someday be joined to us known as heaven. So with all that backdrop, we could say the ascension does not mean that God is far and we're to just make out the best that we can. It's exactly the opposite. We'd only say such a thing if we completely misunderstand what heaven means. The ascension assures us that the God who is flesh in Jesus is also present with us everywhere, in every place, in every time, in every moment, with every person, by the Spirit. This Jesus is loving us, calling us into life, beckoning out our wayward hearts. It's why Jesus would say that really strange thing to his disciples. It's actually better for you if I go. Because if I go, the Spirit comes. 
And sometimes the way we've imagined that is really in like a spatial way, like God exits the building and another reality comes in. But we sang this beautiful song today, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. When the Spirit is with us, Jesus is with us. When Jesus ascended to the Father, he moved into the realm of heaven and God's presence was no longer limited in physical body in one place and one time, but Jesus in a new and potent and powerful and pervasive kind of way could be absolutely present in every part of the universe. It's why Jesus told Mary Magdalene after the resurrection, do you remember the other strange moment when he told Mary, don't cling to me because I've have, I have not ascended yet. And sometimes when we hear that, we think like, oh, there was something like really weird about his body now and Mary really wasn't supposed to touch it. The idea is don't, don't cling, don't hold to me. I have to ascend. I have to move into the realm of heaven where I am no longer limited by this body speaking only to you so that now the spirit of the Trinity can now come into the world and God's goodness and love and justice can flourish in God's people and in God's creation absolutely everywhere. So I won't go into this at all. I don't have time this morning, but it, this is in essence the heart of what we mean when we talk about a sacramental world. It means that God's grace presence, power, love, forgiveness, nearness, knowledge, wisdom, mystery, the fullness of God permeates the world. So when we come to the table, this particular place where in some beautiful, profound mystery, God tells us that his grace is present to us in the bread and the wine. When we come to this table, we're not just remembering a story. We're not just trying to conjure up some kind of religious feeling. We, in the mystery and providence of Almighty God through the power of the Holy Spirit, are encountering Jesus. Luke writes to Theophilus at the start of Acts, just about five verses before where our gospel reading was this morning. And it says this. So Luke's writing to Theophilus and he says, in the former book I wrote, Luke. In the former book I wrote about all the things Jesus began to say and do. Interesting. In the first book I wrote, that previous one, I wrote about all the things Jesus began to say and do. Well, in Acts, we receive from Luke the story of the next things Jesus said and did through the church, through the people of God, through the world that has been infused in a new kind of way with the presence of God. So Acts is the story of the next things. Acts is the explosion of God's work in the world. Acts is the explosion of Easter. Ascension is the explosion of Easter. Nothing is limited. Everything is blown wide open. We've been praying this uh, last week or two for Silas Schneider, who had a lot of abdomen pain and had to have surgery this week. Little Silas, four years old. And a couple days before they were going to have surgery, his folks were telling him, you know, trying to explain, how do you explain to a four-year-old what they're about to endure? And like, where are you going to get cut in here? And Silas looked up at his dad and said, they're going to cut me in half? 
how are they going to put me back together again? Well, I don't know how he explained that, but I think it came out well. Because when I saw Silas before surgery, he was, he was happy as a peach because he, he had a drone to fly around the hospital room. <clears throat> but this is the kind of thing where it's, it can seem like, okay, when you're, you're kind of um, making too big about this heaven thing, I get it, it's kind of a, a nice little theological point. I, I really think it's the, it's the kind of thing that it's going to be like feeling like we're getting cut in half if we don't get this right. Because there's so much about scripture, there's so much about the way God views the world, there's so much about our place in the world, that if we, if we view our ultimate home as being some remote place in a distant thing that has really nothing to do with this earth on which we walk, it is going to affect our vision of the future, it's going to affect our vision of God, it's going to affect friendship, it's going to affect grace, it's going to affect what we think about the sacraments, it's going to affect what we think about God's work in the world, it's going to affect our politics, it's going to affect absolutely everything. For Jesus to ascend is not Jesus skyrocketing to somewhere outside our galaxy, it's whether Jesus ascending, meaning that Jesus moved beyond our limitations into God's perfected realm, showing us what our own humanity has to look forward to, and for God to, at this very moment, be seated at the right hand of the Father as the active and present ruler of the whole world. To ascend is not about height or distance. It is about authority. Now, if you talk about someone ascending a throne, it really doesn't, you, I mean, maybe there's some steps there, but it usually doesn't actually mean going way up high. It means moving into a new kind of realm of authority. So whenever we pray that prayer and the Apostles' Creed and we say that Jesus is seated at the, seated at the right hand of the Father, in our mind, and I, and I do this too, but in our mind, if where we immediately go is that God is way out there, somewhere distant, that's not what it says. It means that God has now moved into this realm where in a new kind of powerful way, God can actually oversee the world in a way where he is present everywhere in authority. In scripture, clouds are often a symbol of God's presence. It's like the pillar of cloud and fire in the desert. It's the cloud that was over the temple. To be seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty is not at all to say that Jesus is far away and not present here with us now in our groanings, in our travails, in our hopes, in our longings, in our suffocating fears, in our desperate places, in our hopes, in our anticipations. For Jesus to be seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty means that the one true human, Jesus Christ, unites our own humanity to God and then floods our lives and our bodies with glorious possibility and beckons us to rise up and pursue this life that God has already opened to us through the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. The ascension is the promise that God gone human was not a passing whim. Jesus becoming God in the flesh was not some really cool trick. It is the affirmation that God loves the body, that all the joys and goodness of being human are things that God has designed. 
So when the angels appeared to the gawking disciples and asked them why they were staring up at the clouds, the angel said, this same Jesus has ascended to the Father. Not another Jesus, not another kind of Jesus. This Jesus, the Jesus who hung on a cross, the Jesus that stood at Jerusalem and wept great tears falling out of his eyes, the Jesus who gathered up those who were hungry and lame, the Jesus who was willing to die for love of the world, the Jesus who Hebrews says knows every kind of temptation, the Jesus who knows every, every struggling place of your heart, the Jesus who knows your every question, the Jesus who knows everything that you struggle with, everything that you long for, everything that weighs you down, that same Jesus has ascended to the Father and now is with the Father and is praying for us and is watching over us and is longing for us, that same Jesus. The ascension means that this same Jesus has taken his true humanity and has joined it to God the Father. This Jesus knows our pains and hopes and longings and hungers and thirsts, deep scars, wrenching sorrows, oppressive fears, and that Jesus carries all of that with him, knowing, not remotely, knowing deep in his bones exactly what that is like, and God carries that into the very heart of the Trinity. The ascension after the resurrection is the next stage of our healing. It's the next stage of the world's healing. When we come to the Eucharist, we are not just coming to remember God. We are coming to meet God, and God is meeting us. And God, in some way, and I, I'll have to stop talking uh, in just a moment because there are no, there, language falls short and only distorts. But there is something that is happening in the grace of God moving toward us and then pulling us into God, and it's both things. God is coming to meet us, and God is pulling us into God's own self. And the angel said, why are you gawking up at the clouds? You've got work to do. The Spirit's coming. Things are about to break loose. The power of Jesus is about to be released into each of you in a new kind of way. There's about to be a new community called the church, and an explosion is about to happen. And that's what we're going to remember next week when we come for Pentecost Sunday. So what do the disciples do with that? The disciples go to Jerusalem, and the scripture says they begin to pray and watch for God. I was, I was uh, struck this week um, in the scripture with how uh, we feel that June is a moment where as a church we just need to pause and we need to pray and we need to watch for God. And I have no idea what that means. I mean, like what's going to come of that or if anything momentous is going to come of that. But it, it seems like we need to stop. We need to pause. There are a number of us who feel like God has something that he wants this community particularly to do, to be, that we're to, to have a new kind of boldness, a new kind of faith, a new kind of hope, a new kind of love. And the fact that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, present with each of us now in the Spirit, means that whatever God 
prompts in our heart to do, there will be the power to do it. So the church is called to be a witness in this world. And that's a word, too, that we kind of lost a little bit. Maybe the way it's been used doesn't do much for us. But to witness to the fact that the Jesus who is human, who is God, is with us. This same Jesus is now in authority over the world. And every force of injustice, every eagle, evil, maybe eagles too, I don't know, but every evil will be called to account. And every broken place will be healed. That's the good news of the ascension. Would you pray with me? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.